Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Job 2. What a book to preach from for Friends and Family Day. Some of you probably told people, I bet he'll preach something really encouraging. Job 2. Here we go. (laughs) I'm going to do my best to be obedient to what I feel from the Lord here. Verse 11 through 13. Now, for those that are a little OCD and you like to know where we're going, We're going to read verses 11 through 13. And then at some point in this message, it is my plan to get to Job 42 and to Romans chapter 12. If I don't get there, don't panic. Don't write me a letter. I was recently somewhere where somebody was preaching and they gave, they said, I want to share seven points on such and such. And they shared six points. I was dying. I needed that seventh point. So if you're one of those, I'm uh, good news, I've got one point today. Uno. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place. Lyphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar. The Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent everyone his mantle. And they sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground. Seven days and seven nights. And none spake a word unto him. For they saw that his grief was great. They saw him. They lifted their voice, they wept, they rent their mantles, they sprinkled dust upon their heads, and for seven days and seven nights, they just sat with him in mourning, not talking. Now for my title today, I want to draw my title from an old nursery song. I want you to play that little song. How many recognize it already? How many got it? For the so be. In this song, we learn: be careful eyes what you see, be careful tongue what you say, and be careful ears what you hear. And from that song, I want to draw my topic today, and I want to preach on this thought for a few minutes. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful what you hear. And I hope to make sense of this, and I think God will help us. Pray with me, would you? 
Lord, whatever your word needs to do for each individual's heart and mind and what you need to do for us as a church collectively in this service, let it be accomplished, we pray it. We're not looking for the eloquency of speech. We're not looking for men's ability, but we are looking for a sovereign touch from God that you might touch every mind and every heart, work through our ears and into our minds and into our hearts this day that we would be obedient to your word and that we might be able to live as pleasing unto you. We're asking for this help. We want you to be exalted in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and let everybody say amen. As you're being seated, tell somebody near you, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. For anybody that's about to crack your phone open, oh, be careful little <laughs> Allow me to begin today by telling you that I'd like you to be seated but not strap in. If there's anything during this message you agree with, I want you to make that obvious that you agree. Whether it's clapping your hands, whether it's standing to your feet, whether it's shouting, I'd like you to be a participant in this here today. And I want you to participate from the very beginning if you're with me and maybe a little like me that when you read Job just in your humanity it doesn't really seem fair anybody besides me you read Job and it seems like he drew the short straw when God has offered you up and there is this conversation that the enemy knows there's a hedge put about you or can't be touched. And the Lord says, no, consider my servant, Job. And ladies and gentlemen, we are about to watch Job lose almost everything. He's going to lose livestock. He's going to lose family. He's going to lose all the way down to the questioning of his faith. I've been spending this entire month, and if you would go back and listen, or if you have been taking notes and paying attention Regardless of what the messages have been, threaded through them with entirety has been the topic of faith. For us to preach through this family month without approaching our need for faith in God would be a complete miss. Our faith is under attack. Our faith, yes, collectively, but even our faith individually. And we need to individually bring our faith into this place collectively. For when we gather together in his name, there is a powerful opportunity that awaits each and every one of us. And because I'm going to deal with friendships here today, and I'm going to deal with the dynamic from the book of Job, I want to remind us, it matters who's in our life. It matters who we're speaking to, and it matters who is speaking to us. And I, I want to tell you here when I begin to evaluate the book of Job and I start and I begin to take a look at his life, it seems overwhelming, it seems distressful and anyone who would not think so, I would have to believe is calloused and insensitive 
But anyone in this room that knows or has suffered great loss, which is probably at some level almost everybody in this house, whether it was the loss in family of a loved one, whether it was the loss of a job, whether it was the loss in a merit, whatever it might have been, you've suffered loss. But I rise to the occasion of preaching, and I don't mean that to sound arrogant here today. I rise against what hell is saying, and I rise against what the adversary has been speaking and I rise with this determination under the anointing of God to speak these words very clearly the goodness of God is not predicated upon the circumstance of life good days or bad days he is still a righteous God whether it's a whether it's an up season or a down season, he is still a good God and he is still worthy of all the praise that we can give him. Somebody, you might be walking through a valley right now. They sang about it a little bit. But I remind you, without the valley, there may not be no need to call him the lily of the valley. But he still is the lily of the valley. And whether the sun is shining in your life or whether the darkness of the night has fell upon you, whether your sky is cloudy or your sky is bright and sunny, I'm telling you he's a good God all the same. Whether you've received a negative report or a positive report, the goodness of God is unwavering. Woo! He's not changing. I'm preaching to people that believe he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the loss in this temporary life that we might endure does not change the radical greatness and faithfulness of God. Now, non-believers might not get this, but we who are believers should be able to square our shoulders and remember the government doesn't change how I feel about him and my teachers don't change how I feel about him and my boss doesn't change how I feel about him. Even my kids can't change how I feel about him. Let it come, let it go. What is, what's not, does not change who God is. He is a good cop. Job, when you've got everything, he's a good God. But if you lose everything, he's a good God. And what I'm preaching against here today, I want to unwrap a little bit is what happens amongst these friends. Listen, for seven days, these are good friends. Everybody needs a friend that will simply hurt with you. If you don't have any friends like that, you need to get you some new If nobody will just hurt with you. Now, there's a problem. Every guy in this room, I'm telling on us what everybody already knows. If you don't want advice, you might not want to give us your dilemma. We're pretty sure we can fix it. There's guys all over this room. We would tear a house down with a couple YouTube videos. <laughs> it's the truth. I have tore stuff completely apart one click at a time. Think I should rip that? Yeah, just rip it off there. What's the worst that could happen? 
pretty bad. I got the receipt to prove. It's a struggle for us to not give advice. One of the things that is the most uncomfortable for every human in this place is silence. In fact, I'm convinced more of us would hear clearly from God if we would learn to be quiet in His presence and listen. Read His Word and listen. But we have a tendency to fix. I'm telling you, these are good friends. They see him from a distance. They've heard that he's lost. They've come to mourn with him. They tear their mantle. They put ashes on their heads towards heaven. They get down on the ground. And for seven days, Pastor Lopez, for seven days, they're good friends. Until chapter 4. And then for 30-some chapters... They're going to talk. It's not my issue that they showed up. That's a good characteristic. It's not that they tore their mantle. They, shoo, they, they were showing that they were distressed with their friend. It's not that they wept. That was an incredible thing that we're going to get to here in just a little bit. That's amazing. None of these were the problem. It's not that they were silent. That was beautiful. They simply were paired with them and encouraging through presence. Sometimes going into this holiday season, we need to remember the greatest present you can give is to just be present. Please, I beg you before God, don't try to give advice on stuff you don't know. Here's what I think you should do. Be careful. I had somebody come to me one time and I found out they were getting relationship advice from somebody who could never stay in a relationship. Very willing to give advice. No. Be careful. But just be present until they did what I would consider is one of the worst atrocities of scripture. For the next 30 some chapters, three friends whose faithful presence would now be overshadowed by what they did to their friend. Brother Jordan, for the next 30 some chapters, they are going to mischaracterize God. They're going to try to appease Job and get Job to repent and turn Job's thoughts. And what they were doing was clouding the very characteristics of God. I'm, I'm, I'm telling someone in this room very clearly. Nobody in your life has the right to make you think lesser of God. Or make you think lesser of what God is trying to accomplish in your life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I've said it already. I'm going to say it again. I, I used to travel a little bit. I had this preacher I was real close to. And sometimes he'd get up and he'd start preaching. And his, he'd close his eyes for like long, like long portions of time. He'd just be preaching, preaching, eyes closed forever. And I asked him one time, I was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like your eyes are closed. He said, when my eyes are closed, I'm pretending everyone's standing up and clapping. <laughs> And I can feel some of you thinking, Pastor, if you'd say something good enough, I'd stand up and clap. The Lord is good. The Lord. The Lord is good. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. But I'm telling you in spite of the doctor's report. 
in spite of the job situation, in spite of the fighting with the family, the Lord, he's good and his mercy, it just keeps enduring. And nobody has the right to mischaracterize who God is or what God is doing in your life. There's people under the sound of my voice that because of what has occurred in your life, you've begun to question who you are and who God is to you. But I've come here today to tell you the Lord is still good and his mercy is still in your life. And there is a word that can stomp out every lie of hell where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'm not saying your life's been free from mistakes, but I'm telling you it cannot be free from the grace of God and it cannot be free from the blood of Christ. He has purchased you. You might be here on this Sunday morning and you feel like you're losing everything. I've lost my job. I lost the livestock. I've lost family. But don't you let anybody get in your ear and change your perception of God. Yeah, but my boss thinks, I don't care. Yeah, you know what? Even my spouse said, I don't care. What does his word say? His word said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I've come to tell you he's right there with you. He's right there with you. He's right there with you. You're not walking alone. You're walking with the Lord. So I ask you this question. Are you the kind of friend... That can simply be present. That's tough. It's tough to be a friend that's just present. But I tell you what you don't want to be. Is the friend that tries to make yourself look better by having answers while you're mischaracterizing the truth of God. Go with me now. To the OCD in the room I promised. Job 42. Job 42 and verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Liphaz, the Timnite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me that the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Verse 9, So Eliphaz the Timnite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar, They went, they did according as the Lord commanded. And the Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the the captivity of Job. And when he prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job what? What? Twice. Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand. The Lord's replenishing of what Job lost did not mean that Job no longer cared for what had been taken. You don't have to think that your rejoicing in what he has given keeps you from being able to talk about. But you hear me very clearly. Just because you went through a season of loss doesn't mean you have to live in loss for the rest of your life. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this room on this Sunday morning. 
Just because you've gone through a season where you have lost and you have felt depressed and overwhelmed, you need to square your shoulders and remember the goodness and the promise of God. And you need to reestablish your friend group and make sure that what you're speaking is in accordance with the will of God. Because I am still a believer that God is able at the last of your days to give back greater than anything that has ever been taken from you. You might have had loss, but you can have new growth. You can have fresh birth. You can have blessing in your life and to anybody that hears me that the devil has told you you've always got to be depressed the devil is a liar and the father of every lie there might have been weeping in the night but then Come on, it feels like a morning for some joy to flood into your life. You used to dance, but you haven't danced in years. It's time to get your dance back in your feet. You used to be able to lift your voice, but so much has been robbed from you. I'm ready to see that praise back in your tongue. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Don't speak negative about God to me. He's a good God. Don't question me. Job, it must be your problem. No, 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 no. God allowed this to happen, and he's going to get the glory out of this in the end. I wish somebody would say, I'm trusting God to get the glory out of this. I can't explain it, but he's going to get the glory. I don't know why they died, but God's going to get the glory. I don't know why they walked away, but God's. I'm not going to give up on my worship. I'm not going to give up on my praise. So if anybody in your life is making you feel worse about yourself, oh, be careful. Ooh, I wish somebody lift your hands with me right now and say, God, I want to know what you think about me. Ooh. If they mischaracterize God, they will begin to mischaracterize what's happened in your life. Ooh. You must have failed in some way. You must have lost out in some way. It's like the blind boy when they said, who did sin? Him or his parents, who did sin? No, neither one of them sinned. This has been done so that the glory of God might be revealed. And I've come to preach to you, you are not dealing with what you're dealing with as the punishment of God. You're just enduring life. And yet through it all, he can put a smile on your face. He can put some clapping back in your hands. He can... Whoever I'm preaching to right now, he can put joy back in your home. He can put the peace of God back in your marriage. Well, I feel like preaching to somebody right now. I'm not going to believe what the enemy says, and I might not even believe what my friends are saying. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I ask that question again. Whose report will we believe here on this Sunday? We believe the report of the Lord. We believe the report of the Lord. Who are we meant to be? What are we meant to do? Turn in your Bibles to Romans 12. Stand with me. Please be careful to ever give someone advice that makes them question the goodness of God. So, well, Pastor, I got to give them clear instruction. If there are consequences from sin that... That's obviously not what I'm talking about. But you need to make sure that your words are laced with hope and not condemnation. 
Don't let the same tongue that speaks in tongues speak death to somebody. And don't let those ears that are supposed to hear the promises of God be overwhelmed with the naysayers of his character. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 through 15. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving who? The Lord. Rejoicing in what? Hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not Don't let the negativity of this world get in your tongue. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that do weep. There are people in this room and I hear the longing of your spirit. I don't need your advice. I don't need your get rich quick scheme. I don't, I just need you to weep with me. You hear me right now. Your weeping is not the presence of your weakness. But those who refuse to weep with you, the presence of their weakness is revealed. You don't need somebody trying to fix you. You've got a God for that. You need someone who can just come along. The best seven days represented are when those friends just curled up alongside him. And they just wept with him. And they just kept silent with him. But the danger is when you don't think God's speaking. And so you start to become God's mouthpiece out of place. But it's not just re. The weeping, it's also this rejoicing thing. I recently had lunch with someone who was a stranger to me. Barely got to know them. And about halfway through the lunch, I was just rejoicing with them in what God was doing. They asked if they could share something with me. When they began to share with me, they said some of the most Depressing words I had heard in quite some time. They said, do you know that even though we just met today, you're the first person I've ever been able to share this with? Because everybody else in my life, I think they would display jealousy rather than just rejoice with me. Believers, it ought not be so. We should be able to weep with those who are weeping. And we should be able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Listen to me. Just because someone is in a weeping season should not discount that you're in a rejoicing season. And just because someone is in a season of rejoicing should not make you feel lesser that you're in a season of 
The health of the body is that those who are weeping have those who will weep. And those who are rejoicing have those that will rejoice. And here's what a healthy church should always have. Those who are weeping should have a testimony of those who are rejoicing. To let them know, I'm not jealous of your rejoicing. But I'm taking confidence I'm not weeping forever. I'm not how many know at the end of this book and at the end of his life, the Bible says a double portion is going to come to him and everything the enemy had rejoiced about, twice as much is coming to the life of Jesus. I'm not telling you don't weep. Weep and we will weep with you. Don't you apologize for your loss. I don't know why they died. I don't know why they walked. I don't know why you're dealing with that sickness in your body. I will weep with you and I will pray with you. But every now and then through that weeping, I want you to be able to open your eyes just a little bit. And I want you to see someone not far from you that might have been weeping not long ago. But they're rejoicing now. Rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy. When I fall. I'm going to get back up. I might have had ashes on my head. And my mantle might be torn today. And there might be tears in my eyes. And you listen, that's okay. But being overwhelmed is not your life sentence. And I'm talking to somebody that needs to hear me. Weeping is not your life sentence. I need you to, if you will, just lift your hands all over this room. He's been a good God. Somebody needs to lift your hands and you need to say out loud right in the middle of your circumstance. He's a good God. I've been going through a tough season, but he's been faithful. All of my life, everything I've... Through the ups and the towns... You might be weeping, but I'm telling you, he knows where you're at. He is still a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is a unique altar appeal. Maybe one of the more unique that I've ever made. I'm asking a lot of some people. But today, I need people in two different places of life that would be willing to come. I need people that are just in a weeping season that would say, I, I kind of just need some that will weep with me. Not judge me. Not try to give me their latest self-help 
Not send me some clip on YouTube from a message 20 years ago. Just come weep with me. Let's let our tears. Let's let our tears fall upon the soil of the and the seed that's been planted in our heart today. And if we get those tears on that seed, let's see what might grow. And while I need people that are weeping, we need some people that you've been in a weeping season, but right now you're in a rejoicing. You're in a place where God is so close and so evident. And Maybe it's family. Maybe it's the job. You just, you went through a season. You couldn't believe that you'd be this happy, but you're just here. And one doesn't discount the other, but they strengthen. The same face that frowns is the same that smiles. With hands lifted all over this room as we begin to pray.